can head back to class. We're going to start in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. I appreciate all your investment into I Love My Church Month and uh, your willingness to help. I know we got some things that are still uh, to, that are going to be done, but uh, you know, if you need help, if you need uh, access, whatever you need, please make sure you let us know. And uh, next month, even though we're out of February and March, uh, next month uh, we will do, be doing some outside stuff. So if you want to jump in and help out um, with that, I know we've got some people signed up to, to help with the flower beds and stuff, but more hands make for easier work. So if you want to help out with that stuff as well, we'll be mulching, uh, getting some fresh mulch, getting some uh, flowers down at the sign and stuff like that. Um, which reminds me, if you like changing church signs, uh, let me know. I don't know why. I hate doing it. Um, it's not hard. It's easy. Uh, nonetheless, if that's something that you want to do, uh, let me know. I'll let you do it. Um, it needs to be changed. So, so, you know, we're two months in and we still say Happy New Year. So better than Happy Thanksgiving, I guess. So it's, it's all good. Um, but uh, little things sometimes. Uh, I should have done it Friday. I know. I just didn't. Okay. What are we talking about today? As Christ loved. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. We're just going to look at the same verse we started with last week. We're not going to actually spend much time in Ephesians today. We're going to look at a number of different passages today. But I was uh, you know, praying about this month and, and things to preach through in this month, and we're focusing on loving the church and uh, things like that as well. But uh, as, as most of you know in the, in the Greek, and I hate doing this, but in the Greek uh, there are multiple words for the, word lo- the English word we use for love. And, uh, and so there's just a slight variation of what they mean. It shows us the idea behind the love and things like that. And so the, the word used here in Ephesians 5, verse 25, we read it last week, we'll read it again. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for it. And I started thinking through other areas in the Bible that show us examples of who we should love as Christ loved. Now, the easy and simple answer is everybody... All right, good sermon. Let's pray and be dismissed. Um, Christ, some of you are like, all right, finally. Um, but there are examples in the Bible of, uh, I have four things this morning, of people, or uh, yeah, people, I guess would be the right word for it, that we should love as Christ loved. And uh, we're going to look at those examples this morning and just try to remind us, uh, encourage us, to love the same people that God loved through Christ, that Christ loved, as He is our excellent example, perfect example, no better that you can find. And so as, if we are to love uh, husbands or to love our wives as Christ loved the church, there are other things, other people throughout Scripture that Christ showed us that we should love as Christ loved. So that's our focus this morning, as Christ loved. Lord, help us, I do pray. We're going to look into your word. We're going to look at a number of different passages. So I pray that you'd keep us focused and help us to learn and help us to grow this morning. And I would dare say that we would all agree that we can love a little better, love a little more, and do better at loving as you loved. And so, Lord, I pray as we look at these four people groups, these four things this morning, that, Lord, you would help us to love as you loved. 
And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so who should we love as Christ loved? And again, the Bible gives us, at, at, at a minimum, four. Uh, there, we could go deeper, I'm sure, and we could look at the other kinds of love and all that kind of stuff too. But, but I want us to look at this this morning. So let's start in Matthew chapter uh, 5, if you'll turn there with me, please. Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we're going to look at loving your enemies. Oh, yes, the wonderful, wonderful enemies. It's funny, uh, and being a part of our kids' basketball teams, helping coach and things like that, sometimes you have different enemies. Um, the other team, of course, uh, you're trying to beat them, you're trying to defeat them, you're trying to uh, rip out any hope that they have, you're trying to smash their dreams and let them know that they don't even deserve to be on the same floor as you. Um, so you have the enemy there. Um, I have learned even more in this last year of basketball season that the officials are oftentimes your enemy. And uh, uh, some of them have realized that me and them are enemies, and that's been fun. But uh, um, it's funny to think through how you treat some people. People that you don't, you don't necessarily hate, but you're not on the same page. You're not on the same team. Um, people that you're against to some way, shape, or form. I've heard, you know, things that I will yell or even mumble under my breath, breath to officials. The kid sitting next to me on the bench would say something very similar, and I'd be like, don't say that about the ref. I'm like, ah, oh, I wonder where he got that from. Um, <laughs> you know, it kind of makes you think a little bit. I do. I think back on how I treat some people and how I should maybe, not maybe, how I should do better to love those that I'm against. Now those, you know, we talk about enemies with other teams and officials. I don't, you know, it's not, when we think of enemy, that's not typically what we think of, right? We think of ISIS, we think of um, maybe the government, we think of uh, just different people that we would say, you know, if I were ever, uh, you know, people that maybe would challenge our life even to some degree as enemies but it's interesting that the Bible talks about the loving of enemies in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 44. And again, remember this is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount or the early actually stage of the Sermon on the Mount. Christ is preaching. This is his sermon. Start in verse 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, who's speaking? Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is God. He says, I say unto you, love your enemies... Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And then in verse 46 it says, For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. It's interesting here in loving your enemies, he, he, he points out a number of, of great things for us. He says, do good to them. He says, pray for them. Uh, he says, what, what do you get for being nice to people, loving people who love you? That's the easy love. We'll talk about that in a minute, but it's, it's easy. It, it doesn't take anything out of you. It doesn't, it's not work. It's not sacrifice. And uh, the idea of loving your enemies uh, because it's hard. He says, you've heard it said, love your, enemy, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. He says, uh, I still want you to love your neighbor, but you also should love your enemy. And then he gives it that, that, that list there in verse number 44 uh, of bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that use you and persecute you. That's not easy. 
which is why he tells us to do it. He doesn't have to tell them to love their neighbor very often because they already do. They love those that love them. It's easy. It's natural. It's uh, people who are nice to you. You're typically nice to them. Have you ever been in a bad mood and you show up to a, uh, a store or a restaurant and, and the person there is really nice? Hey, how you doing today? You know, even if you're having the worst day, and you may even mumble off something like, oh, I've been better, um, you know, or something sarcastic. I, I do that a lot. Well, living the dream. Um, but it kind of changes your, your mindset a little bit. It's harder to be as grumpy as you were when someone else is being kind to you. And, uh, and so it, it, that's natural, but the, the unnatural thing is loving your enemies, those that hate you, those that use you, those that persecute you, those that uh, are not kind to you. And Christ says, that's where my emphasis is, loving those that you've been told you're supposed to hate. We start thinking about people that you hate or, or greatly dislike, people that you've never met before, people, groups. Um, and again, I'll use ISIS as an example or terrorists of any kind. I don't know about you, I'm not a fan. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't like them. I would dare use the word hate. And mom always said, hate's a strong word. And I said, yeah, it is. That's why I said it to my sister. No. Um, <laughs> but there are people that we strongly dislike or hate. They're enemies. They're against us. They're people that are against our faith. And we're working on standing for our faith and doing right and uh, uh, being bold and all those kinds of things. And there are people who are against us. And we hate them. They're our enemies. God says we're still supposed to love them. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, verse 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit blessing. He says we're not doing the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, evil for evil. They're mean to me, I'm mean to them. They hate me, I hate them. They're against me, I'm against them. He says that's not what we're supposed to do. He says on the contrary, we're supposed to uh, give blessings. I'm telling you, that's, it's harder with some people than others, right? It's harder with some, some enemies than it is others. There are those that we would just think, how in the world could I ever love them? Well, in that case, I'll give you the example. How in the world could God ever love you? How in the world could God ever love me? I, 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 you, know, you don't know everything that I've done. I don't know everything that you've done, but I can guarantee you there, there's been some bad things in your life. Some things that you would look at and go, you know what, I don't deserve God's love, and you don't, and I don't. Yet he loves us anyways. Uh, there are people who do you wrong, and you think, well, how in the world could I ever do them right? Well, remember Christ hanging on the cross, literally nailed to a piece of wood, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, that's how. Christ did it for you. Christ loved you no matter what. Christ gave himself for you so much so. So how in the world am I supposed to love my enemy? Well, God tells us right here in the verse. Bless them that curse you. All right, so who's my enemy? Let's start with the curse. Whoever curses you, bless them. Don't fight back. Don't yell and scream. Don't hold a grudge. Bless them. Do good to them that hate you. 
pray for them that despitefully use and persecute you. If you don't pray for them, you're probably not going to do good for them. If you don't love them, you probably won't pray for them. The easiest yet hardest thing to do, if that makes any sense whatsoever, is pray for someone you don't like. And we've seen examples uh, in Psalm, as we're studying through Psalm, where David prays for his enemies, but what does he pray for him? Defeat. God, destroy them. <laughs> End them. Uh, you know, and I think, I think there's, that's fair at times. Uh, God, I'm under attack. I'm being defeated. I need victory. God, give me victory. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. At the same time, though, we also need to understand that those enemies of ours, they're, they're in need of a Savior. They're in need of a life-changing God. And who's to say that I'm more worthy of God's love than the next person? Even the most wicked people we can think of. A friend from college, um, we just keep up, we're acquaintances, I guess. We keep up through Facebook, but in college, um, we spent some time together, did some things together. And uh, he, at an early age, in high school, he started writing letters to uh, inmates on death row. And his goal behind it was to get the gospel to them, but build a relationship with them. And to this day, he's interacting with people on death row. The most famous serial killers you've ever heard of he has written and in most cases received letters from. And he has communication with them. And his thing was, is there's not a whole lot of people that show any compassion to these people. They have done horrible things. They are deserving of their punishment. But God still loves them. And someone's got to share that with them. And to this day, he posts pictures every now and then of letters he receives and uh, who it's from. It blows my mind. They've shown him a little bit of love. Because everyone is as deserving as love of love as I am. In some cases, more deserving. But nonetheless, you know, who, who am I to say that person's not deserving of God's love? And if they're deserving of God's love, or they, if God's willing to love them, I should be willing to love them as well. Because they've hurt and gone against God way more than they've done anything to me. Love your enemies as Christ loved. Number two, love your neighbors. Let's go to Matthew 22. We, we spent time here on, and on this topic uh, throughout uh, the last year or so. But Matthew chapter 22 gets a little easier here moving forward. Love your enemies, that's the hard one. Uh, that's the one I, I would assume we could all do better in, for sure. I, I think we could probably all do better in all of these things, but nonetheless. Matthew chapter 22, look in verse 39. And the second commandment is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You remember the Pharisees came, and the Sadducees came, and there was a question. One of them spoke up, and he says, I have a question for you. He says, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? It's verse 36. And Christ starts out with, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And then he adds to this. They didn't ask him what the second commandment was. But Christ tells them anyways, the second's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? It's, you know, as a kid you think of 
the next door neighbor, but it's, it's the people around you, the people you see every day. There, they might even be people you're friendly with compared to your enemies because there are neighbors who you're probably not friendly with. Uh, but they're, they're those around you. And God says, and the way that he, that, he, that he hits it is he starts with love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, and thy mind. That's, we're going to look at that in a second, but that's, that's the first commandment. It's the most important thing. Uh, he says the second is, is like unto it. It's, it's similar. It's, 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 it's right there with number one. Love thy neighbor as thyself. I know I've said this before. I know you've heard it before. I love me. Uh, you know, no one else may look at me and go, hey, 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 you got it, man. But I do. Not every day, granted. But most days, I'll look in the mirror and go, yep. I love that guy. Uh, you know, I'm going to take care of myself. People talking about diets and eating healthy, and I'm trying to do better. Uh, I've lost a couple pounds since the new year. But... You know, I'm not going to eat nasty food. You know why? It's because I love me. I want to I wanna make me happy. And nasty food doesn't make me happy. Food that doesn't have taste doesn't make me happy. I like celery. It doesn't have taste, but I like that. But uh, most foods, right? Uh, I, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm not going to put myself in harm's way. Now, I learned at a young age, pain's not fun. So the stupid stuff that I did, it wasn't painful because I love me. I'd talk other people into doing it, but I wasn't going to do it. I grew up with horses. And a lot of people did a lot of stupid things with horses. And I watched them fall off or get thrown off or things like that. And then they would brag about it. Oh, I got thrown off today. I said, you moron. I, I stayed in my saddle. I, I'm not, what's, what's the joy of being thrown off? I don't get it. It's painful. I love me. And Christ says, I'm supposed to love my neighbor in the, the way that I love me. I look out for myself. I take care of myself, not, not the way that the doctor tells me I should, but I take care of myself. I, I, I am, I grant it, with age, and being a little bit more aware of what's really unhealthy for me. But uh, nonetheless... I'm going to look out for myself. You know, my neighbor, I'm supposed to love them in the same way, care about them, love them, provide the way that I can uh, in ways that, that are possible, be friendly, listen, hear what they have to say. You know, listening is a, is a lost art. Uh, I think social media has made us worse listeners. We're all ready to give our opinion at a moment's notice. Um, but just listening, being there for someone, loving them. When they're down, putting your arm around them. When they're hurting, hurt with them. Comfort them. Encourage them. Um, it's just, it, it, it really is, I think, simple and again hard at the same time. Loving is. That's what love is. Loving is easy and hard at the same time. It's simple. It's a simple concept. Uh, uh, it is, the, the how to do it is, is, is really easy, yet we find it hard to do. But oftentimes it's because I love myself and I won't love others the way that I'm supposed to. The love for me um, uh, blinds me or hinders me from loving other people. Should you hate yourself? No, that's not what I'm saying. But the Bible says 
love those that do bad against you, but also love those that do good against for you. Uh, those that are God has placed in your life right around you, people that you see every day. I, you know, I'm a very sarcastic person. I grew up in a very sarcastic family. And there are times at work where a coworker will say something and my response comes out and then I'm like, oh, man. I hope they know I was joking. And then I got to go up to them and be like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I was just kidding, but I know, you know, I'm sorry. We've got a guy <clears throat> that is terrified for whatever reason all the time, panics about everything. And uh, so anytime anything changes at work, I tell him, I uh, said, so you're getting fired this week, right? And uh, kind of mess with his head a little bit because, you know, you know, hey, uh, they just spent a lot of money ordering that product. They're going to need to save some money somewhere. I guess this is your last week. Um, you know, new guy gets hired. Oh, good. They're finally replacing you. Uh, you know, those kinds of things. At some point, I have to stop, step back and be like, hey, man, you, I hope you understand. I'm just kidding around with you. And, you know. You're, you're all good. It's okay. Pat them on the back. Give them some encouragement, some kind words, whatever it is uh, from there. But, you know, I, I like to do that. I do the same thing with my family. I do it with my kids too often. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, little things. I told my 10-year-old the other day, you do know you were adopted, right? Um, and, and, of course, you know, he's like, no, I wasn't. There's nothing wrong with adoption. Adoption's great. Um, you know, it's extra, more love in that. It's a wonderful thing. Probably shouldn't joke about it, but uh, you know, I like to mess mess with my kids a little bit. I also got to make sure I'm loving them. You know, it's it's not wrong to joke, but you gotta you gotta make sure you're showing love. My dad always said, if I'm if I'm not making fun of you, then then you know there's something wrong. Uh, you know, people that work with us and and uh, and I mean, just you know, make fun of them, joke with them, whatever. And there'd be another person who never got made fun of or joked with. They wouldn't be around too long, typically. Um, they were off, off to another place. But uh, uh, sleeping with the fishes. No, 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 no. Completely different. But uh, the, uh, we have to make sure we're showing love. And maybe the way that you show love isn't being received by your neighbor. So change. Well, that's just not my personality. I don't care. God doesn't care. Who cares what I think? God doesn't care. Show love. Love your neighbor. Love your enemies, love your neighbor as Christ loved. I mean, you just watch the different examples throughout Scripture, uh, just the time that Christ was on earth and how He loved His neighbors. There were people who were hungry. What did Christ do? All right, we're going to take an hour break, go find some lunch, come back. No, He fed them. There were people who were having a bad day, a rough day, a rough week, a rough life. What did he do? He loved them. There were people that the religious folks looked at and said, why are you eating with them? It's because he loved them. They were his neighbors. And it's funny, we do the same thing, don't we? As religious people. I can't believe they had those people over to their house. Well, it's funny, Jesus, he went to the worst of the worst, sat down with them. Now, I'm not saying you should... You should go partying and uh, to the bars and all that kind of stuff with them. But what's wrong with inviting them over to your house? Showing them some love. What's wrong with going over to their house? Taking something to them. Show them some love. What's wrong with taking them out to eat sometime? Taking them out for coffee, whatever. Show them some love. Just look at the example that Christ gave. Now, we can't heal people. 
If we could, that would be awesome. We're going to try it. I've seen it on TV. You hit somebody in the head hard enough, they're healed. So we're going to try it sometime. Um, but uh, not yet. Would you watch what Christ did? Just, just read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at Christ's life and look how he interacted with his neighbors. Look what he did with the apostles, the disciples. I mean, these are people from different backgrounds. You had the hardworking uh, fishermen and things like that. You had the, uh, uh, the, the financial guys. You had uh, a wide variety of people, and he brought them in. He loved them, he invested in them. He took time with them. Love your neighbor as Christ loved. Number three, love your brother and sister. And I'm meaning in Christ, but you should love your family too. But uh, loving your brother and sister. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Sometimes we get so caught up in loving our enemies or loving our neighbors, we forget to love our family. Uh, we'll put a lot of time and energy into the community, which is good. We need to do that. Uh, we'll put a lot of time and energy into the community, and we won't put any time and energy into the people right here. And be careful that you, put, you don't put any time and love into your brothers and sisters in Christ. We have people call the church almost on a weekly basis asking for food or money uh, for a hotel room or uh, just money for a bill or whatever it may be. And, you know, if for people who, who help in those situations, great, wonderful, it's a good thing to do. And I always tell them, man, we got people on our own, we got people who are actually coming to church, <laughs> actually walk through the doors that need help. I say, if you'll come to church, we're happy to do something for you. You know what? They don't want to come to church. And not all of them are, you know, as stereotypical of what you'd think. But a large majority of them, they're just calling everybody, getting whatever they can. And all I ask is they come to a service. You're hungry? You need a meal? Come to church. We'll get you a meal. May not be able to pay for a hotel room. May not be able to pay a whole electric bill or whatever it may be. But we can help in some way. But if you're not going to come we got people that come that need help. You know, we're, that's where our time and energy is going to be focused at. In Indiana, when I pastored in Indiana, the, uh, the pastor before me, um, he would give to anybody. And again, that's, that's, you know, maybe that's an area that I need to get better at. But everybody. So I'd have people come in. I'd be sitting in the office. Someone come in. I need 80 bucks. I don't have 80 bucks. Well, can the church help? I mean, I didn't have a church credit card, checkbook, you know. It wasn't, wasn't my role. I was the pastor. So I was like, I'm sorry, we can't help you. Well, the previous guy, the last guy did. Man, that's wonderful. Good on him. I can't help you. Now, all the time. We had people that would come. We'd do meals, community meals, you know, for certain, on Sundays, potlucks, whatever. And we had people show up. They'd go straight to the gym where the meal was and sit there during the service. The service got done, and everybody came over to eat, and they'd eat. And they'd leave. I didn't know about it. I was in the auditorium. I got told, hey, there are people hanging out in the gym during the service, waiting for the meal. I said, well, tell them to go to church. <laughs> like, you know, why do I have to be the one that kicks them out? Uh, tell them to go to church. If they come to church, they can eat. That's the rule. Sit in a service, you can have food. We're happy to do it. Happy to help. And we did the same thing with people needing gas. Needing, and then in that church, we had bukus of money uh, due to 
an embezzlement issue from before and got blessed and got all the money back and everything like that. So it, was, it was a wonderful opportunity. And they called and said, I need help with this. I talked to some people and I'd say, if you come to church, we can help. You know how many people came to church? One or two. Did they ever come back? No. But they came and they got help. And that's when I began to shift my focus over to the fact that we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are doing their best. And what I mean by doing their best is they're doing their best to follow and obey God. And they're going through struggles. And they're family. We need to make sure we're taking care of family. Now, does that mean if you come to me after the service today and say, Preacher, I need, I need rent for this month, that I'm going to pay your rent or that the church is going to pay your rent? Probably not. But we're going to do our best to help. Um, you know, why? Because God says you need to love your brothers. Look in 1 John. We haven't read it yet. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. It says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God who he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. First John is written to Christians. And we see here this, this thought, and we see it in other parts of the Bible, but this is the, the passage we'll focus on today. If you love, say that you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. Can't be done. Same is true if you say that you love, uh, love God, but you hate your spouse, you're a liar. Can't be done. If you say that you love God, but you hate your a neighbor, you're a liar. Can't be done. If you say that you love God and yet and you don't love your, your enemy, you don't love God. What, what do I mean by that? If you're not obeying God and God says to love all these people, you're not truly showing love toward God either. It'll be incredibly hard to love your neighbor, maybe impossible, to love your enemy, to love your brother and sister if you don't love God first. That's why the first commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart that's all in the mind. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but uh, it's got to start there. Maybe I should have started with that point. Anyways. Uh, here we sit. Love your brother. Love those that God has placed in your life. You know, I believe uh, very much so that God um, called, a word we use often, uh, you to this church. Uh, we've talked about it before. You've joined. We've prayed with you. We've, we've talked with you. And you know, we believe that you're where God wants you to be. I believe that I'm where God wants me to be. And God has placed me not just in His family, but in this family, the church family. We've got to love each other. And we're working on that, right? Uh, we've done it some here in February. We'll do it again in May. Uh, we're, we're working consciously, purposefully to love each other and make sure that we're not, we don't focus so much on the outside that we don't ever take care of the inside. We, we joke, we have fun, we laugh, um, we have a good time together. We need to do more together, honestly. We need, to, we need to spend some more time together outside of services. It would be fun to do so. We've got to make sure we're loving each other. I think we have a, a good church. I'm so proud of our church. And I think we do good. Where if someone sees someone you know, is down, you know, they'll, they'll go up and try to encourage them. Maybe they won't say, hey, you look miserable. Uh, but uh, you know, they'll try to make sure they say hello. How you doing? 
Uh, I know of, of people who have texted other people. I know of people who have sent notes to other people. I, I, I'm aware of some of these things. That's great. We need to be doing that. Why? Because Christ did. Did Christ sit inside a local church building? I don't think so. But he loved his brothers and sisters. And again, we look at the investment, the time that he put into the disciples. We look at the, um, for lack of a better term, the stuff he put up with. And I'm thankful we don't have a petty church. And I know I've told all of you, we're not a petty church. We will not be a petty church. So if you're petty, go somewhere else. We don't have time for that, energy for that. Um, you know, and as we grow, it's going to be harder to maintain. But that's not what God desires from us. Well, that person, they sing off key. You probably do too. <laughs> I don't, remember, I don't know if you were like this as a kid. I thought I was a great singer as a kid. And uh, me and another kid at school both thought we individually were great singers. And I remember, this is weird, uh, in the bathroom stalls. All right, you sing first. And he's in the stall next door. And then I'll go. And we'll see who's better. Isn't that weird? crazy he's serving the lord today a wonderful thing neither one of us singing for what it's worth uh you know it's funny how we just we try to one-up people we try to be seen we try to get a pat on the back we try to get applause and again i promise i'm trying to do better at recognizing i, I see it i don't always say anything and i apologize for not saying thank you enough but we got to love our our brothers and sisters in christ we got to make sure that we're pouring into the people that we're serving with. Yes, we need to love those outside the church. Yes, we need to go outside and, and reach people. Yes, we need to go out and love on people. But we've got to make sure inside that we're loving each other, serving one another, caring for one another, carrying burdens for one another. We pray for each other. I hope you do outside of our Wednesday night service, but we pray for one another. That's why we share those needs on Wednesday night so we know who we can be praying for, specifically what we can be praying for. Love your brother and sister as Christ loved. And then lastly, love your God. Love your God. Back in Matthew 22, I probably could have just had you stay there. I apologize. Matthew 22. And we see it. We've already talked about it. Love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy heart, with all thy soul and mind. Matthew 22 and verse number 37. We see this. You know, this is the crux of it, right? This is the foundation. This is what it builds off of. Yes, I'm supposed to love my enemies. Yes, I'm supposed to love my neighbors. Yes, I'm supposed to love my brother and sister in Christ. But it has to start here with love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. With all your feelings, with all your breath, with all your thought. Every ounce of you. We talked about loving me. I love me. You love you. If you're not careful, that'll block you from loving God with everything that you have. 
We used the example one time, talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, but it works here too. If you take a glass vase, I didn't think about this till just now. I could have done this for you. But a glass vase and you set it here and you pour uh, rocks into it and then you pour water into it. You can fill the whole thing up with water. But if you take those rocks out, you can actually add more water to it. If you take the rocks out, now all of a sudden there's more space available for the water. We're talking about loving God with everything you have. You've got to take all the rocks out of your life. You've got to take out the pride and the selfishness. You've got to take out the, uh, the thinking about you and only you. It's, the, it's what John the Baptist was preaching. He must increase, but I must decrease. I need more water in the vase. In order to get it in the vase, I've got to take the rocks out. If I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my feelings, with all my breath, with all my thought, I'm going to have to take the rocks out. It's just that simple. And that's what we have to do. In order to love God with everything that we have, we've got to empty ourselves. It wasn't that long ago we, we talked about dying to self. That's what we're talking about. Killing, killing off ourself. It is, a, it is a removal of everything that comes natural to me. It's taking it out of my life so that I can be filled with everything that God wants for me. In order to love Him, I have to, I have to take out me. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard it before, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, but do you? You've heard love your enemies, but do you? You've heard love your neighbors, but do you? You've heard love your brothers and sisters, but do you? You won't if you don't love God with everything that you have. You might be able to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, but you won't love your enemies. That's the hardest one, right? I heard it said, and I don't remember the preacher that said it, but I heard him say, I cannot love my enemies, but I can love God. And by loving God properly, He will love my enemies through me. I thought that's powerful. It's an admittance that I'm too, I'm too weak, but God is strong enough. And so I love God with everything that I have. He then, through me, will love my brothers and sisters, love my neighbors, and love my enemies. You've heard it before. This isn't new. You've heard it before. Now we've got to commit to do it. It starts with loving God with everything we have. And from there it goes out. Love your brothers and sisters. Love your neighbors. And love your enemies. Lord, help us. Without you, we cannot do it. And God, I pray that you would help us to love you properly. God, I pray that you would help us to um, start there. May we do the simple things. We've talked about it all year. Do the simple things. Read our Bible. Talk with you. Pray. Lord, that we can learn from you what you desire for us, that we can have from you what we need to do, what you want us to do, and God, that we can go out and do it. So help us to love you with everything we have. God, help us to love our brothers and sisters. I'm so thankful for this church, so thankful for the people that you've brought here and for the people that you will bring here. God, help us to love each other. Help us to never get caught up in the pettiness and the selfishness, but, Lord, to truly love one another. Help us to love our neighbors, our community, those around us. And, God, help us to love those who we despise, those who we hate, those who are our enemies, those who are against us. God, help us to love them too. So, Lord, today we simply ask us to help us love as you loved. 
And Lord, I pray for this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our feet. Psalm 119, looking in verse 33. I've preached on this section before, different outline, but um, I like the... uh, easy outline that you get through 33, 34, and 35 with the first two words in each, each verse. Uh, it's, a, it's a preacher's dream. Uh, you know, don't have to work too hard for it. But um, we're going to look at, actually, from a different angle a little bit here today, uh, looking at four different pictures that were given. Starting in verse 33, the Bible says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the paths of thy commandments, and therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto unto thy testimonies, and not to to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear." Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. We're going to look at four pictures uh, given to us that we can learn from here in this section of Psalm 119 today. Lord, help us, I do pray, as we close out our day. Um, I love this, this section especially. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn from it, to grow from it, um, and just to be refreshed by it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here the first picture we're given is of a sojourner. This is the pastor using big words for uh, alliteration reasons. Uh, A traveler, a sojourner uh, here. And uh, we see it in verses 33 and verse 34. It's similar to Abraham. Uh, We journey through life understanding that there's not uh, this place that we're in is not our home. The old song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. And we see it here in this sense in verse number 33. He says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. It's seeing the Bible as a map to follow. Uh, the, the reminder that we should not ask for directions if we're not willing to follow the directions. Uh, the word teach me. He's asking for a lesson. He's asking for guidance. He's asking... Uh, for understanding, which we'll look at in the next verse. But we see it here as the idea of, I want to follow you. I want to keep your commandments, so teach me. Make it your word a map for me. We oftentimes have the knowledge, but don't always have the understanding. We definitely don't always seek the understanding. And verse 34, it says, Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. So many people have grown up hearing the Bible only to eventually kind of wander away. You all know someone who grew up in church, but today isn't in church. You know someone who in church for years, maybe even someone you looked up to who's no longer in church anymore. Sometimes that is a result of knowledge of the Bible, not understanding of the Bible. You're less likely to follow uh, something if you don't understand it. And so we know the stories of the Bible, and we know some basics of the Bible, 
But we've talked a lot about the idea of studying and learning and, and grasping what God's Word says in your own individual life. And if you don't gain that understanding, uh, it, it's going to be harder for you to obey. Now, should we still follow in faith? Yes, we should, but, but we just often don't. But not only do we not have understanding, most of the reason we don't have the understanding is because we don't seek the understanding. We're not diving in. We're not digging. We're not uh, praying. We're not reading enough. We're not focusing when we do read. And so we don't have that understanding. And here, uh, as a traveler, he says, teach me, guide me, and then give me understanding. Help me to comprehend. Help me to understand. Seeking that help so that he can stand, so that he can stay, so that he can obey uh, more fully. As he says, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Number two, we see a picture of a soldier. Verses 35 and 36, a picture of a soldier. He says in verse 35, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. To stay in line with the Bible, to follow the Bible, to obey the Bible, it is going to be a fight. It's not easy. It's not a... Uh, a walk in the park, so to say. It's going to be a battle that you're going to be fighting because there are things, uh, for lack of a better term, that are fighting to help you or to make you fall. And you're going to need discipline. And soldiers, if you think of soldiers, you think of discipline. At least I do. Uh, you think of boot camp and the way that they're treated. You think of the idea of following orders. You think of those sorts of things. And so a disciplined person because the battle is between what? The old man and the new man. There is that, that fighting that's going to be going on. And there in verse number 35 it says, uh, again, make me. It, it, it is discipline. It is uh, an order to follow. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. For therein do I delight. I'm too weak to do it on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm, I'm, I'm too, um, too close to the old man. So make me. And then in verse 36, we see a desire, a continued desire, a want to, so to say. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. There is this understanding, yes, I'm too weak, so I need your help, but there is a great desire to follow God, to follow the Bible, to do what is uh, right. You have to have the want to. There are things in life that you will do at least for a certain amount of time, but if you don't have the want to, the desire, eventually it's going to fade. Eventually your obedience is going to, to, to fall. Eventually uh, your commitment will, will fail if you don't have a desire to do so. Um, you got to have that, uh, I call it want to, the desire uh, there. A soldier, disciplined desire. Uh, number three, so we see a traveler, a sojourner. We see a soldier. Number three, we see a servant. Verse number 37, uh, the Bible says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. has the same idea as we read about um, the, the passage in the New Testament about two masters. You can't, you can't serve two masters. You have to love the one and hate the other. Follow the one and turn, turn away from the other. You can't have two. And that's what it's saying here in verse 37, that, that idea there, turn away, it's the same idea of the understanding that I cannot, I cannot serve my vanity and you. I cannot follow my vanity and God. It's just not going to work. They're two different things. Which master will you serve? And it's going to take commitment, verse 38. Establish. 
or we use the term, the word establish now in, in our current English. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. Commitment. Committed servant to serve one master. You see, that's where, again, an area that we struggle in is that commitment to follow God. That commitment to serve only God. We're committed to do things for God, to go to church. That takes commitment. You know it. Uh, maybe, maybe we have commitment to read our Bibles. Typically, that's a harder one for, for, for most. But a commitment to follow only God, which we talked about this morning again, emptying of myself and filling myself of God and having God fill me with Himself. The, the commitment that is there to be a, 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 a dedicated servant of God. We're trying, one of the reasons why we're doing what we're doing here in February and uh, with loving our church and, and, and committing to some time to it, dedicating some time to it, and what we're doing in May to dedicate some time to our, our fellow church, uh, church family is the, it's just trying to get in a little bit of a habit. Maybe we lose that habit of... of um, of service. And the same is true with God. We, we, we get out of the habit of service to God. We work hard for our family. We work hard for ourselves. We work hard for our loved ones. And we're committed to uh, providing for them. But in doing so, sometimes we forget that the ultimate commitment has to be to God. Where God says, I will provide for you so that you can fulfill your role that I've given you uh, on this earth. And so we, 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 but we stray away from that commitment to service of God. And sometimes we're so faithful to serve people, yet unfaithful to serve God. Serving people even in a good way, right? Even at church, and I've told you many times, I've seen it my whole life, where people serve people in the church. Sometimes they serve themselves in the church to make them feel good. But they're not actually serving God. We can do good things the wrong way or for the wrong reason or the wrong motives. And so it's that commitment to service to God. Turn me away from my own vanity. Quicken, make me alive uh, in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear, a committed servant. So we see a sojourner, we see a soldier, we see a servant. And then lastly, number four, we see a saint. We don't, in the Baptist world, talk about saints a whole lot, right? Uh, there are other churches that will talk about St. Peter and uh, all the other saints. St. Nicholas, of course, my favorite. Um, <clears throat> and we just went down the tubes. All right. Um, being saintly, what, what does that mean? Being Being holy. The last two verses cover this, and we see it in verse 39. He says, Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Back in verse 22, he says, Remove from me uh, reproach and contempt. Now in verse 39, he's saying, Take away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Again, it's a dependence on God and God's word and not on himself. He's not trying to pull himself out of the issues that he has. He's seeking God's help. It's a dependence on God's God to remove the reproach from him. 
you may have already learned this, but victory doesn't come until we obey. Victory in the spiritual life, in the Christian life, it's not going to arrive until obedience is there. We have a great example of this throughout the Old Testament with the children of Israel. You look at them in a number of different areas in the Old Testament where you see, boy, they were in trouble. And they were usually in trouble, not usually, they were in trouble because of their own doings. But they were in trouble, man. They were being persecuted, they were being oppressed, all those kinds of things. And once the obedience came, then the victory came, the deliverance came. And the same is still true today. It's, it's you know, anytime that you're going through something and, and you're just, you're getting beat, right? You're getting beat. Now, I'm not trying to be like Job's friends and saying, oh, you did something horrible. It's all your fault. But let's be honest, in most cases it is. Not always. Not, not, not all bad things that happen in life are a punishment from God. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches the opposite. Many times it's a blessing. But that being said, there are times in our lives where we go through struggles and uh, trials and hardships, and it's a result of our disobedience to God. And again, I've heard story after story after story of Christians who got away from God, similar to the prodigal son story, where they went and did their own thing, and it was a miserable life. Not saying they had zero pleasure in it, but it was a miserable life. And one day, God got a hold of their heart. They decided, this is not a life I want to live. And they got back to God. It's not to say that all their past things didn't still haunt them in some way. There weren't consequences that they were still dealing with. But they finally came back to the realization that when I follow God, I'm happier. Things are better. Victory comes with obedience. And so we have to obey. The simple things, right? It starts with the simple things, but it goes to the bigger things as well. And he closes out the psalm in verse 40. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. And he uses this phrase again, quicken me in thy righteousness. He goes back to the, uh, the, the request, command from God, be ye holy as I am holy. And he's looking at God's righteousness, quicken me, make me alive, revive me in thy righteousness, not in my good doings, not in my good things, but in your righteousness. Paul's an interesting Bible character. A lot of great things we can learn about Paul's life. But in Romans chapter 7, if you're reading, as Paul's writing, and again, it's given to us by inspiration of God, but as Paul's writing, and he's, he uses this phrase in chapter 7, Romans 7, O wretched man that I am, and I find that interesting. It's the realization, right? The, the, the looking in the mirror. O wretched man that I am. In the next chapter, in Romans chapter 8, we see this. Paul says, Christ has made me free. You see, it's a, it's a wonderful thought to understand that being holy as God is holy, it's an impossible task for me. But when I live under the freedom that God gives me, and by that I'm not talking about the liberty that we use sometimes and talk about, well, I have the Christian liberty to do this and to do that and whatever, but what God actually frees me from and frees me to changes everything. And so here Paul sees it. He goes from saying, oh, wretched man that I am, to 
Christ has made me free. I would like to think that I'm not as bad as Paul was. I don't know how you think about Paul, but when I look at Paul's past, I go, thank the Lord I'm not as bad as him. And we're not supposed to measure up to people and try to measure ourselves to people, but I also don't think I'm as good as Paul. Right? I'm not as bad as, as he was. I'm not murdering people. I'm not throwing people into prison for their religion. I'm not beating people. I'm not watching other people get murdered. I'm not, uh, I'm not standing by and allowing uh, uh, this to go on and, and all those sorts of things. Uh, but I, I also look at the other side of Paul and go, I'm not sure that I'm as faithful as Paul was. As bold, definitely, as Paul was. But yet still, I can look at my own life and go, I was a wretched man. Oh, wretched man that I am. And I can also look at the Christ has made me free. And I should live remembering that I am a wretched man, but I have the freedom that Christ has given me. Freedom for what? Or freedom to what? Well, freedom to follow Him. Freedom to obey Him. Freedom from sin. Freedom to live victoriously. Freedom to be holy as Christ is holy. God can bring victory. He can bring freedom. But it starts with God's Word. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Make me alive. Quicken me in thy righteousness. All throughout Psalm 119 is talking about the Word of God, but we see it here in this section. Verse 33, Teach me the way of thy statutes. Give me understanding. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. Incline my heart to thy testimonies. Uh, quicken me in thy way. Establish thy word. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Where do I find all those things, statutes and uh, law and all the other words we just talked about? God's Word. And because of what Christ has done, because of who God is, I am free to follow Him. I'm free to do right. I'm not ruled by the old man. I'm not ruled by my natural instinct. I'm ruled by God and I'm free to live obediently to Him and to follow His Word. Now we're, we're travelers, we're sojourners in this world. What do we look to guide, to guide us? Where do we look to guide us? We're soldiers, we're in a, we're in a battle, we need some discipline and, and some desire. We're servants to one master, should be. And our goal of, not sainthood, but our goal of being a saint, being holy, we're free to be holy because of God's Word and what Christ did for us. I guess the short version, shorter version of this message is we have no excuse. We make them, but they're not good. God doesn't go, ah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. No big deal. Now, does God say, I forgive you? Yes. No excuse we give God for disobedience. You know, as a parent, there are rare times 
or my kids do something and I'm upset and then they tell me why they did it and I go, okay, okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> uh, when it comes to disobedience to God, God doesn't go, okay, no, 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 you're right, I was wrong, what was I thinking? <laughs> I didn't realize that, I'm sorry. Because God's perfect. He knows everything. As a parent, I don't know everything. I tell my kids I do, but secret, I don't. I have no excuse. I have God's word. I have God's love. I have God's guidance. I have the creator of the world helping me. The all-knowing, the all-powerful. I have no excuse. And... Neither do you, which makes me feel better because I'm not the only one. Read God's word. Do the simple things. Follow it. Read it. Follow it. Ask God for understanding. Seek to understand. Uh, there are things that are harder to understand. There are things that are difficult. There are things that will take time. Um, put it in. Put it in. Lord, help us. Help us to follow your word. Help us to seek you for guidance. Help us to take the guidance that you give us and apply it to our lives. Help us to serve only one master in you. And God, help us as we strive to be what you've told us to be. Holy, righteous, good, godly. Lord, help us uh, to continue to work towards those things. Help us to uh, clean our lives out. As David prayed, wash me, cleanse me. And Lord, help us to understand that we can obey you. Help us to have a desire to do so. We obviously are not able to on our own. We need your help. And, and, and even just obeying you, we still need your help to do so. So God, help us. Help us to have the right heart and the right mind. And uh, Lord, just help us to be more faithful. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.